ministry of laying on of hands in, in, um, in the scriptures. And, um, you know, the primary intent of the uh, laying on of hands, uh, Brother Hagin used to call it the law of contact and transmission. And I think that's a good description uh, of what's going on there because uh, we make contact with another person and then uh, what do we transmit? We transmit the spirit of God that's in us, the power of God that resides in us into that person. So it's not superstition. It's not voodoo. It's just simply a transfer of power. Yes. Right. Yes. And so we as carriers of the power of God have the right and privilege to release that power into the lives of those around us through the laying out of hands. And for whatever reason, the Lord decided that the way that should happen is through the law of contact and transmission mm -hmm. through the laying out of hands. And so. It's not the only way that he's given us to obtain healing, but it is one way. It's an effective way. It's probably the primary way that Jesus used in his ministry to, uh, to uh, provide healing for those around him. And so we, we can do that today in our lives. Amen. And that's really why the church uh, is on this earth in physical form is so, uh, for the purpose of us having the ability to lay hands on the sick. Amen. Uh, and it's uh, also a reason why uh, you should be part of a local church where they can lay hands on you, right? Yeah. The people on TV, they're not going to lay hands on you, right? The, you know, uh, now I've seen a lot of times, you know, this is stretch your hands out, you know, and I'm not necessarily opposed to that, but um, um, that's, that's going to be limited in its effectiveness because uh, we don't see any examples in the Word of God. Uh, in fact, uh, the promise is in Mark chapter 16 that the, the believer shall lay hands on a sick and they'll what? recover there's no promise that says the believers shall stretch forth their hand you know and towards the person being prayed for uh so there's no promise for that you know i know a lot of ministers do that and uh, i never felt like it was it was wrong to do that i think it's as much for the people that are in the in the uh service there to yeah. join their faith uh in that moment there so you know you can always join your faith when other people in fact if i'm not in the prayer line uh, if I'm, you know, uh, attending a service and there's other people in prayer line, most of the time I, I will sit down and, and pray uh, on behalf of those in the prayer line for the Lord to, for them to receive everything that they are um, expecting and desiring. Uh, and, and so I'm joining my faith with their faith. Amen. Now, if they have no faith, then I'm all by myself. Right. And so <laughs> I don't know whether they're in faith or not, uh, but I'm going to believe that they are and, and uh, I'm going to believe for the best. Amen. Amen. Uh, and so, so we finished up uh, uh, chapter 12 uh, a couple of weeks ago. Of course, Brother Randy was with us here uh, last week. Uh, and um, um, in, in, um, uh, I think we're getting close to the end of this particular book. So there's three books or four books in, um, uh, in this overall book called His Healing Power. And so we've been going through those. And looking at uh, what Dr. Yeomans has, uh, has put together for us to review for, uh, for the air of healing. And, um, you know, at the, end of the, at the end of the day, healing is obtained by faith. You know, that's the primary way. Um, but it's, uh, in, uh, uh, it's pretty rare that was, we on this earth will receive a healing from, as a sovereign act of God. But uh, most of the time, it's the, the expression of faith either by the person praying, doing the praying, or the person doing the receiving. Sometimes it's both. Ideally, it's both, right? Um, and, of course, you can obtain uh, healing by your own faith anytime. Uh, but it is biblical and helpful when people join our faith. Amen? 
And uh, when we have a prayer line, you know, it really should be in the context of the person doing the praying uh, is hooked up with the faith of the person doing the receiving. Uh, and so, because faith, you know, is just, uh, the faith is the way that we release the power of God into our lives. And, and um, one of the things that uh, uh, is helpful to, uh, um, to kind of understand about faith is all of these things have already been done for us in the cross, right? So when Jesus was, we know 1 Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes you were healed. Uh, and so uh, it didn't say by his stripes you will be healed in the future someday when somebody lays hands on you. It says you were healed. And so the purchasing of the healing was completed at the cross. Uh, and so in the realm of the spirit, as far as the Lord's concerned, it's already a done deal. So we're really, faith is really um, transferring that which is already done in the realm of the spirit where it's not doing me any good because I live in this natural world, but it's transferring that which is done and completed in the realm of the spirit into the natural realm where I reside. Um, and, and so that's one way to look at faith. It's not the only way to look at faith, but uh, you know, all of these things are done for us in the realm of the spirit, right? We are already, in fact, right now, we are already seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Well, that won't actually happen technically until we're there, but you know, from a positional standpoint, uh, that's our position that we own today. Uh, as a promise and as a uh, future act of our redemption here. Uh, and so, uh, so we're really in, in all of these things that we receive from, from the Lord. In fact, all the blessings that you receive in this earth uh, in your natural life are really an expression of what's already been done for you in the realm of the spirit. And so um, uh, in Romans chapter 14, uh, he said, we call those things which be not as though they were. Well, they be not in the natural world where we reside, uh, as they were, because they are already done in the spirit world. Yes. Uh, and so, uh, so you know, it's, uh, um, uh, uh, in fact, uh, in, that, in that verse, I listened to Brother Hagin, he was talking about that, uh, about that particular verse, about calling those things which be not as though they were. And that's one of the ways that we can use to obtain healing, because we declare that which is, uh, uh, those things that be not as though they were. So we declare our healing as if it actually was. Uh, and um, uh, I know uh, one time, I'll get back to Brother Hagin's story in a minute, but uh, uh, I was praying for, uh, in, uh, I think it was Anne Marie, when she was maybe a couple of years old, and she'd gotten uh, symptoms of uh, flu-like symptoms. Uh, and, um, and so uh, as part of putting her to bed, I prayed for her, and the Lord, you know, kind of prompted me. He said, how, how would you feel if I healed her uh, instantaneously, if she had her healing right now? And, and I just well, said, well, I'd be full of joy, you know. And he said, well, that's how you should act in faith because it is done, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, I didn't, had never really seen it that way uh, until he said that. And so, uh, and, and when he said that, joy rose up in my heart because I knew she was healed but just, you know, it was, it was a little bit more of a knowing in the sense that, yeah, I mean, I've, I've done what I'm supposed to do, and so it's already done. It's already a done deal. It doesn't, I don't have to see the manifestation to know that it's done. I know that it's done. Uh, and so I rejoiced in that moment there with her, uh, and within a matter of moments, all the symptoms left her, and, and then she, she slept the rest of the evening there. Uh, but, you know, Brother Hagen, he was the great man of faith and power. You know, if you remember the story uh, in one of the visions with the Lord, um, the Lord appeared to him and he says he, he put the, the, the finger of his right hand in the palm of each one of his hands and said, I've called you and anointed you uh, for this ministry, uh, that, uh, for a healing ministry. 
Uh, and so, you know, uh, we as Christians are all anointed uh, by uh, God in the sense that he gave us the great commission to do that, lay hands on the sick and the recovered. He gave us the additional benefit as he chooses to release the gifts of healings in operation in people's lives. But then he will, he will especially anoint certain people that goes above and beyond those things to uh, a healing ministry. And uh, that's what he did for uh, Brother Hagen. And so that just means that typically that healing, uh, that gifts of healing from 1 Corinthians 12 will be a manifestation on a regular basis in their life. Uh, and so, uh, but he woke up with, with uh, major pain one time uh, and um, uh, did all the things he could do. And, and, and uh, it, uh, he wasn't getting any, any uh, recovery from the pain, asking God to remove the pain and not getting any recovery from the pain. And and he said he almost called a doctor, you know, for Brother Hagen called a doctor, you know, it's like the world's coming to an end. Uh, and so finally the Lord mentioned that Romans 4.17, uh, uh, he said, you're not getting healing because all you're doing is asking me to, to remove the pain and to heal you. He said, uh, you're not doing what the word says, which is to call those things which be not as though they were. He said, you're supposed to say that you are healed, you know. So you're not, you're not doing the opposite. You're not saying those things which be as though they are not, you know. You're not saying, you know, that uh, uh, I'm not having this pain. So that's calling those things would be as though they are not. So uh, that, that's sometimes people will get that backwards. No, you call those things would be not. So what you don't have is healing. So uh, that's what you need. So uh, he just did that. He said, well, then I'm the healed of God. And he said he rolled over and went to sleep. Uh, and, and so... Um, so it's, you know, in all of those things, it's all re uh, related around faith, right? Because that's just faith. There's nobody laid hands on him. There's no transfer of power. It was just faith in the word of God. And so he, he called those things would be not because in the realm of the spirit, he is healed, right? Uh, in, in heaven, as far as heaven is concerned, he is healed. Uh, and so, uh, but I understand, you know, it's a, uh, it's a walk of faith, right? And there are some things that I have observed in my life that some things I I. I obtain healing very quickly, many times instantaneously, sometimes within a short period, very short period of time, minutes or hours maybe. And then sometimes I've had to work at it, you know, for a while. And I don't know why that is. Um, I know it's not God testing me. I don't think of any foolish things like that. God's not testing me about anything. I think sometimes the devil tests us to see, you know, if we're going to stay with our faith or if we're going to wilt. And, uh, and so... Um, so I just encourage you to stay the course, you know, um, either these things are all true or none of them are true. But I think I don't think I know that they're all true. Uh, and so we can live we can live that way. Amen. Uh, and so we're, we're about to finish up this book because these last two chapters are pretty short here. Let's turn over to Luke chapter five uh, and see what uh, Dr. Yeomans is is uh, talking to us today about. And so it says here in verse one, it says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed or asked him that he would thrust out a little from the land. Uh, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. So it was convenient, you know, there was, a, there was enough, enough people that were there. He was teaching them on this, on this seashore there um, by the Lake of Gennesaret. And 
I guess the number of people had continued to multiply to the point that there wasn't room on the beach for him to be to stay there and for all the people to gather. So he got in his boat and asked them, pushed him out just a little ways. You know, it wasn't like he went across the, the river or, or the uh, lake there or anything, but just far enough to get uh, where people could stay on the shore and hear him. Uh, and he sat and taught the people. Uh, and then when he got done, uh, he uh, turned and spoke to Peter in verse 4. Uh, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep. So now they weren't in the deep at this point. They were just on the shore, near the shore, uh, and let down your nets for a drought. Uh, and Simon answered him and said, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Uh, and when they had done this, they uh, enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they uh, beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. Uh, and it continues on. Um, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Uh, for he was astonished, and all that were with him, that the, uh, at the drought of the fishes, or the catch of the fishes, fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John and his, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. So this is how the Lord called Peter into the ministry, right? Uh, by um, um, doing this miracle for him. But, you know, in the, in the context of things, you know, it wasn't his ship. He borrowed the ship from, from Peter, right? Uh, and he asked Peter to, to uh, set out the ship uh, from the shore a ways. And Peter was obedient. And we know that in general that the blessings of the Lord come uh, uh, after our obedience. And so Peter was obedient to that. And so in kindness, uh, uh, and really in response to the law of sowing and reaping, uh, Peter sowed the use of his boat to the ministry of the Lord Jesus. And so the Lord Jesus, um, through the law of sowing and reaping, then told Peter to let down his nets. Now, uh, if you remember in verse 4, what specifically did Jesus ask him to do? He said, and let down what? Is that singular or plural? It's plural, right? Um, and uh, what, how did Peter respond in the end of verse 5? He said, at thy word, I will let down what? The net. Is that singular or plural? It's singular, right? And so well, how many did Jesus ask him to let down? All of them. How many did Peter let down? One of them, right? And so, uh, so uh, why, why did their net break? Too much fish, right? Uh, too much fish for what? For one net, right? Uh, because what did Jesus tell them to do? Let down all the nets, right? And so, so you know, this is a, a pretty good example of, of faith, but not great faith, right? Faith is, well, I'll, I'll, I'll dip my toe in, and, you know, we'll see if it works, you know, a little bit. And, you know, I believe that, you, that, that you're telling me the truth here, Jesus. But I don't believe you all the way, right? Uh, and so is the Lord merciful? He is merciful, right? I mean, he, he will help us wherever we are in faith. And so this is where Peter was in faith. He was a one net kind of faith man, right? Uh, and so uh, the thing is, uh, the thing I like about the Lord is the Lord's will never changes. You know, the Lord didn't say... Uh, well, you're going to let down one net. Okay, uh, uh, you know, 50% of you fish, you need to go home because, you know I, know, I know I called you here to get in the net, but he only let down one net. So, so half of you guys that were going to jump in the net, 
uh, you know, go back home. <laughs> he didn't do that, did he? No. You know, come on. Well, how many? All of you. All of you, come on. Jump in the net right now. Uh, and, and so uh, his will didn't change, even though Peter didn't fully align with, with the Lord's will, did he, right? Uh, so, so it is a good, um, uh, it is a, a good um, story from the standpoint of, you know, you can't have progressive faith where, you know, you, have, you do have some faith. So Peter did have some faith, right? Uh, he responded to the request of Jesus, but only partially, right? Uh, and so, of course, the Lord's will there was, uh, uh, was unchanged. Uh, and just in that, you know, turn over to uh, Proverbs chapter 22. You know, so the, 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 really the point from, an area, from a standpoint of healing in this, uh, in this story is uh, if the Lord says to call those things that be not as though they were, what should we do? Call those things that be not as though they were, right? Uh, fully uh, trusting in him that his word is so. Uh, and not just like, well, it doesn't work for me, you know, or it didn't work for me. Uh, you know, sometimes what will happen is uh, we'll start on the path of healing and then we'll lose, we'll lose the hope of that, right? So, uh, and, you know, especially as uh, healing sometimes seems to be delayed, but it's, it's never delayed from the Lord's standpoint, but it seems like it takes longer than, it, than we would hope that it would take. And sometimes our faith wanes in that, right? Uh, and, um, uh, and so uh, that's what uh, Romans chapter 4, we may go back there in just a minute and look at some more details about Romans chapter 4. Uh, and so... Uh, it says here in Proverbs chapter, I said, uh, what did I say? Proverbs yeah, Proverbs uh, chapter 10, verse 22. Oh, that doesn't look right at all. Um, so in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, it says that the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and he added no, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Uh, and so you ever seen rich people who are unhappy? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's, then they... Didn't, they didn't get those riches from the Lord, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, so we know the Lord didn't intentionally send uh, too many fish to Peter to cause his nets to break and cause him harm and difficulty because, you know, if his nets start breaking, then he's got to repair all those nets. And that's not, I'm sure that's not an easy task. Uh, and so, uh, but the Lord had told him what to do. Uh, and, and, uh, and so uh, he, uh, uh, he did walk in faith, but not quite as much as he should have. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we shouldn't take that as a negative. It's not really a negative. It's really just an example of, um, of our faith and how it progresses. Amen. And, um, you know, in fact, we should never take anything from the word of God as being, um, uh, as, as being uh, a correction or, or a rebuke to us in those things, right? Um, and I was trying to find, uh, we may have to look for it at some other point in time, um, because there are other stories uh, that may be of help there. But let's turn over to Romans chapter 4. Well, let's look at chapter 4 there. Uh, you know, of course, Romans chapter 4 is uh, the story of our friend um, Abraham. And Abraham's just a really good example. You know, he's a good, um, he's a good example for us to how, to how to be in faith and uh, how to walk in faith with the Lord uh, and... Um, uh, we know that uh, way up even in verse 3, it says uh, of chapter 4, For what saith the scriptures? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Uh, and, and so Abraham uh, was a righteous man by faith. Amen. Uh, we are righteous people by faith. 
But we, we get to have it because of the work of the Lord Jesus. So our faith is in the work of the Lord Jesus. Uh, Abraham's faith was in the faith of the Messiah to come. So uh, uh, he was accounted as righteous, but he wasn't actually righteous in the sense that we are. Uh, his righteousness was fulfilled uh, as the future promise. And, and so, but he got all the benefits of being righteous because of his faith. Uh, and so, uh, so, so he believed God. And then it con con continues down to verse 16. says, therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but also to that which is of the faith of Abraham, uh, which is the father of us all. So what does faith uh, <coughs> cause to happen? It causes, uh, it causes the promise to be sure. Uh, in other words, it's guaranteed that the promise is real, right? So what's, of course, in our class, what promise are we looking at for the most part? That we're the healed of God, right? So faith causes that promise to be sure to us. We're the seed of Abraham. Uh, and so he continues in verse 17, as it is written, I've made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. So you remember back in the book of Genesis, uh, what did God say? What's the very first thing he created? Let there be what? Light. Let there be light. Well, was there actually light in the universe at that time? There's no light in the universe. So, so he called those things to be not. There was no light, you know. So he called it into existence. Uh, and so if you look at it from this way, you know, the Lord God in heaven, he, everything he does is by faith, right? In fact, in the book of Hebrews, it says by faith that, that he formed the worlds. Uh, so it's not that we're, we're having faith in God. Uh, we are having faith in God, but it's because God has faith in God. You know, he has faith that when he says things, it's going to happen. And somehow... Because he's God, that happens, right? When he says, let there be light, uh, somehow that faith that he has in his words that he speaks causes those things to come into existence and, and to form a realm that didn't exist prior to that. Prior to the universe, there was only the spirit realm. And then the Lord created an entire realm called the natural realm that we see and observe, and he did that by words. Uh, and uh, so the Lord, uh, it says, he called it those things which be not as, as though they were, uh, and that is a, uh, um, uh, an example then of how we're supposed to operate, that I'm the healed of God uh, and um, that uh, my arm is healed or my elbow is healed or my knee is healed or whatever it is that we're dealing with, it's healed. We call those things would be not as though they were. Uh, and, it's, and it says that uh, who against hope uh, believed in hope. Uh, and that's kind of a play on words there that uh, who against really natural hope, right? Because uh, he he as a as a as a man uh, uh, had come to an end of his natural ability to produce children. Uh, and so when he was a younger man, there was natural hope that he could use natural hope to produce children. Right. He's young and and uh, strong. He could produce children. Uh, and um, uh, of course, it takes two people to do that. Right. And so. Uh, Sarah's womb was, was uh, not cooperating at that point in time. Uh, and then a, as uh, time went on, uh, then uh, the natural hope had come to an end. So, uh, so that's what the against hope was, that against the fact that natural hope had come to an end, he still had the supernatural hope of the promise of God. Uh, and, uh, you know, and that's really where it can help us because Sometimes, uh, you know, doctors will tell us things and give us reports of, 
of information about our body. Well, you know, you used to do that, but now your body can't do that anymore. Now, well, now the natural hope to, to be free of that thing, whatever that thing is, has come to an end. But that doesn't mean that our hope has come to an end. That just means natural hope has come to an end. Spiritual hope is always available. Uh, and so uh, even after there was no natural ability to have children, he still had the hope of the promise that he would become the father of many nations uh, because it was spoken. So shall thy seed be. So. So Abraham never lost the, the connection to the supernatural hope. And it says, and being not weak in faith. So. You know, if we go back to our story with Peter, you know, Peter had faith, but it was really kind of weak faith because it wasn't as full as the Lord intended. Right. Let down your nets, plural. And Peter was only willing to go so far with his faith. Uh, Well, I'll try it and see, you know, but um, uh, and, you know, some people may never feel comfortable praying for themselves for healing. They may be perfectly fine to allow other people to pray for them. Uh, In fact, I have heard of stories where people will accuse other people that it's their fault, uh, the other folks' fault of why they're not healed because they uh, didn't believe for them as much as they should have. So they're, instead of believing them for themselves, uh, which is always good, uh, they pushed it off on somebody else. And so the reason why they were sick was because somebody else hadn't done their job. Uh, I mean, that's kind of messed up right there, right? Uh, yeah, it's presumptuous, right? Uh, and, um, and so... Uh, but Abraham was not weak in faith. Amen. Uh, and it says that he considered not his own body, not dead. So in other words, uh, uh, the the report from his body that, hey, your ability to produce children has come to an end. Uh, he did not consider that when when he was considering whether or not God was faithful, because a lot of times people will believe that God is faithful until they get a, a bad doctor's report or a new pain shows up, or whatever it is that, that uh, comes into the natural world, into their lives, they will then consider that part, that story, that report, as being against the report of the Lord. Uh, and so they'll look at that and go, well, I know God promised this, but um, I've got this new thing, so it's not going to happen, right? And so, uh, uh, so Abraham did not do that. He did not consider his body, the, the report from his body was not a valid report as far as he was concerned. Uh, and so, of course, by that time, he was 100 years old. So uh, he did not consider um, his own body. And also it says, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Well, Sarah's never been able to have children. Was that a consideration for, for, um, uh, for Abraham of whether or not he would be the father of many nations? No, no. You know, we look at this and go, well, yeah, that's of course, you know, he was the father of many nations. But but um, in our lives, how many reports come in uh, and they're in conflict with the promise of God, you know, from the doctors or from the world or, you know, and and not just in healing, but in any area, you know, you'll never get that. You know, you're you're not qualified for that job. You know, you're not you know, the the bank will never say yes or whatever it is. Uh, How many times have you heard a report that says that uh, that you're not going to get it Uh, and. What we have to do is is to decide, and you know, and I've seen this too many times, um, where people have something in their heart that they're going to do, and they and they believe with all their heart that it's God's will, until they come to some other natural authority, and that natural authority says you can't do that, and then they give it up, uh, and I, oh well, I, I really wanted to though, you know, it'd been nice to, uh, but I guess I can't. 
Uh, and, and it's hard sometimes to get people to consider not the reports around them. Uh, because if they do that, well, I don't, I don't see any way. Well, uh, what's that got to do with anything, right? Uh, you know, for me and Chris, we've come up in this and uh, up against situations like this many times in our marriage, not in our marriage as far as to each other, but in, in, uh, the, in our circumstances uh, of our lives. And, and, you know, we've done this for so long. But we always say, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how the Lord does this, because in the natural we see no we know we see no uh, path of success. But uh, that doesn't affect us. That doesn't we don't consider that we look at it and go, well, uh, the Lord said he'd do that. So. It'd be interesting to see how he does that, right? And time and again, he's come through, right? Uh, and so, so uh, though there was lots of reports, right? There is a report from his own body. There is a report from his age. There was a report from the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he's got one promise from God that he'll be the, the father of many nations. He's got three promises of the natural world that say that won't happen. Uh, so... Uh, that's not unusual. Uh, oftentimes we'll get multiple reports that says uh, that's not going to happen, whether it's healing or anything else, right? That's not going to happen. Um, and, and so, uh, but, but uh, verse 20 to me is really the key of everything. It says, uh, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but were strong in faith, giving glory to God. Uh, and so, you know, he didn't, you know, staggered, you know, you, when you think of staggering, you know, tripping or falling or, you know, something you would do if, if uh, you were inebriated or something you would do, you know, if you weren't, you know, sometimes maybe you just clutchy, you know, I don't know. But uh, uh, but he didn't waver at all. Right. Uh, in fact, the next verse says, and being fully persuaded that what he was uh, what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Uh, and so uh, so if you go back to the story with Peter, Peter was persuaded a little, right? Because he let down a net. But was he fully persuaded? He wasn't fully persuaded. He was partially persuaded. The nice thing is, you know, partially persuaded can still get results. Amen. He got results. Amen. Uh, it, it just uh, was, was a little bit more complicated the way that uh, he had operated in faith. Uh, but, but Abraham was fully persuaded and it caused him to not stagger. So that, those two things are really important in our faith walk that uh, one is we're fully persuaded. Now, are you fully persuaded that it's God's will to heal you? Are you fully persuaded? Not partially persuaded. You know, Peter is partially persuaded. Abraham was fully persuaded. So I always like to find who's got the best example and follow that, right? My goal is not to be a one net kind of faith guy. My, my goal is to be all the nets, you know. Let's put them all down. Um, and, and so... Um, uh, so that's, and that's a good contrast between those two examples, right? Uh, and so, uh, and that's really uh, the whole chapter there, right? Uh, where he, uh, uh, Dr. Yeoman says she didn't go that much detail into, uh, um, uh, into Abraham, uh, but she did go into, into uh, Peter's example there. Uh, and so, so what I would encourage you to do is, you know, wherever you are in faith, you've got to be okay with that because that's where you are, Amen. Uh, but always have a desire to grow in faith. Always have a desire to, to be more than a one-net faith person, right? Uh, be, a, uh, be a person who, when the Lord says, I need you to do this, then uh, the answer is yes, sir. You know, sometimes the Lord will say, I need you to do, to do this, and, uh, well, Lord, I'm old, or Lord, I can't do that, or Lord, I, you know, whatever, we, uh, or maybe we'll partially do it. Um, uh, 
uh, let's not be one that faith, right? Let's be uh, fully persuaded uh, and stagger not at the promise of God. Uh, and then we'll get the fullness of the, of the answer, right? In this case, Peter got the fullness of the answer, but it would cause him some difficulty because of that. Amen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, I think there's only, uh, in fact, we may get uh, this, uh, uh, this next chapter done here too, because the next sh- chapter, which is the last chapter of that book, because there's only two questions in this chapter. Uh, and the first question was, the Lord's blessing of the fish came uh, A, before or B, after they were obedient. After they were obedient, right? So the Lord told them to let down their nets. And then so, you know, if they had seen the fish stirring up in the waters before uh, the Lord told them, you know, well, then there's no faith for that. Just, well, there's a fish right there, right? Throw them throw it down and get them all. So somehow the Lord directed those fish to get into that into that net. Uh, but only after they were obedient to do that, right? And after they were also obedient to uh, be a blessing to the Lord and let him use uh, their ship. Uh, and so... Uh, what shows us that the disciples were only in partial faith instead of full faith? <clears throat> they just let, let down one net, right? Uh, and so uh, partial faith, still better than no faith, right? We'll take partial faith all day long as opposed to no faith. But um, let's, work, uh, let's work in our lives to get to a point where we're full in faith, amen? That we're never, uh, our, our faith in the healing power of God is never is never wavering, amen. Um, uh, and um, you know, uh, and if it wavers, you, uh, you, you got to move on anyway, right? So you don't beat yourself up if, if well, I wasn't in perfect faith. Well, so what? You know, let's move on, amen. Uh, and so, uh, because partial faith can still get results, amen. Uh, you know, some people think that well, if I take a pill, uh, I'm I'm not in full faith. Well. Uh, I mean, there is a, a, a fullness of faith that you can never have to take another pill all the days of your life. But can you still be in faith and take a pill? Well, sure you can. So that means you can get results because any amount of faith will still get you results. Amen. Uh, and so don't beat yourself up for, for anything like that. Don't let the devil beat you up because your goal is to get results. Amen. Amen. Uh, and so let's turn back to uh, Psalm 107.20. Psalm 10720 and you know as a uh, uh, when when I was in in college I was part of a of a Christian organization during college and every year uh, as part of homecoming we'd all build floats you know and so one year the theme was and now a word from our sponsor and this is the verse that that we used to build a float you know and I would design the float and build a float and and um, uh, we didn't win that particular year because they thought it was kind of weird. But uh, but it was a word from our sponsor, right? Is the Lord our sponsor? He's our sponsor, amen. And he sent his word. And so uh, they didn't really get it, you know, but I thought it was pretty good, you know. And so that's okay. They don't have to get it, right? Uh, and so it says in verse uh, 107.20, uh, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from the destruction. Uh, and, of course, this, the Psalms here are really... Uh, psalms or uh, musical songs that we can sing right and i don't know that i've ever heard a particular have you ever heard of a song uh, sung with these words in it you know he sent his word and healed us i don't know of that one uh, but a lot of these psalms can be put to music and uh, and um, 
uh, in fact, the whole book of Psalms, you know, that was a songbook of Israel, right? Uh, and it's actually five books uh, put together. Uh, but, uh, but the point of this particular um, uh, chapter that she's talking about is that the singing in faith can do a lot uh, towards our healing. Uh, and the quote that she said is that a song can reach us sometimes when a sermon fails. Uh, and that's true, right? Uh, and there's nothing spooky about it, nothing kind of weird about it. You know, there's nothing, um, sometimes people will almost become superstitious about it. But no, in, in praise and worship and song, uh, it's really a statement of faith because you're de just declaring words. Hopefully you're declaring good words, right? There are a lot of songs that uh, one minister said are embalmed with doubt and unbelief, right? Um, uh, here I stand on Jordan's stormy banks, you know, and cast a wistful eye, you know, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, be nice to have that stuff over there, right? Whatever the song is, you know, but uh, um, so there are a lot of songs that, uh, uh, that we ought not be singing. Uh, but if you sing psalms, you know, they're pretty good, right? Because they're all filled with faith. Uh, and so, uh, and that is a good way. I know, you, I know, Sue, you've had some experience of, of using song to receive healing, right? Uh, and, and other deliverance, right? Well, um, I was going to say, when my son was young, I used to teach the Adventists that they Yeah. Well, that's nice because you can't hardly get those wrong, right? Yeah. When I have to sit down and memorize, I'm not good at that. Yeah. But when I put it to song, and Billy could remember, even to this day, he remembers yeah. all these, you know, long, you know, like the whole Psalm 23, you know, yeah. Isaiah 64. Um, I mean, he can remember that because we did the scripture songs every day yeah. to our Bible study when he was real little, you know. Yeah. Six verses. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, um, uh, of course, songs are, are, are all part of praise and worship, uh, and uh, it's a good way to express our faith. And that's really what we're doing by singing songs is we're, we're expressing our faith in the Word of God. And, and really, you know, what I would encourage everyone to do, and you may be doing it already, but as you sing uh, songs, if they're scriptural songs, right, uh, connect your faith with those songs, whatever that song is, right? And so, you know, not all songs that we sing in praise and worship are direct quotes from Scripture, but um, I know the songs that we sing around here are songs of faith, uh, declaring God's bigness and God's goodness. Uh, and so those are based upon scriptural principles. Uh, but the, the song book here, uh, this is one of the songs uh, that uh, the Lord gave to us. Uh, and, and if you look at, um, you know, it's interesting because we quote uh, verse 20 many times. But if you look at the context of this, he sent his word and healed them. The context starts in verse 17. Uh, and so it says in uh, Psalm 107, 17, it says, Fools, because of their, transgression, uh, of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. A and, you know, how many people bring grief upon themselves, right? Doing foolish things, saying foolish things, going foolish places. Uh, and so uh, many times uh, the affliction are, are self-inflicted, right? Uh, and it says, Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And he saveth them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them. So who's them? They're the fools, right? Uh, and so, uh, and he delivered them from their, their destructions. Of course, we can use uh, this uh, verse for us, right? We don't have to do, do foolish things because 
in the New Testament, he did send his word, which is Jesus, right, to heal us. So, but it's, I, I've always thought the context of this particular one, uh, of this verse is good because um, they didn't cry and were in faith because they were righteous people and doing nothing wrong. They had done things wrong and still cried unto the Lord and he still healed them and he still uh, sent his word on their behalf. Amen. Uh, and so just know that uh, if whether you're perfectly righteous and doing nothing wrong, you can uh, believe that God sent his word and healed you. Or if you uh, actually line up with the context of these verses and you've done things wrong in your life. Uh, and uh, anybody ever done anything wrong in your life? Uh, okay, we got half perfect people and half uh, uh, imperfect people, right? So uh, all the perfect people, you know, you're going to make it. But you know what? All the imperfect people, you're going to make it too, right? Uh, because this verse, th- these context of these verses cover both scenarios. So uh, when you cry unto the Lord in your trouble, he will save you out of your distress. And he'll send his word and he'll heal you and he will deliver you from your destructions. So it's nice. It's not just healing. It's also deliverance from whatever's uh, causing you grief in your life. Amen. Uh, and we can go back to uh, uh, go all the way back to, to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Um, so, of course, chapter 32 is just before um, the end of uh, Moses's time on the earth. Right. Uh, and so uh, Psalm uh, or uh, Deuteronomy 32 you know, if you go through the scriptures, several people have left us songs, right? Deborah left us a song. Moses left us a song. Uh, Mary left us a song. You know, there are several songs in the scriptures beyond the, the book of Psalms uh, that, uh, that, uh, that the word of God has recorded on our behalf. Uh, and so uh, he says here, uh, it comes down to verse uh, 39. Um, uh, and he says... Um, Well, let's see. Um, of course, uh, well, before we get to 39, he says in verse 30, he said, How should one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight, except their rock has sold them and the Lord has shut them up? Uh, and so you ever heard that one could put a thousand to flight, two could put ten thousand to flight? This is where we get that from, right? Um, and so uh, there is value in unity, right? But then he comes down to uh, verse 39. Uh, it says, see, see now that I, even I am he, and there is no God with me. I kill and make alive. I wound and I heal. And neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. Uh, and so uh, is a, uh, and we understand you know, from the context of the Hebrew language, you know, that there were some limitations about the Lord. Uh, he wasn't going about and um, just killing people, uh, um, you know, unless they were the enemies of God. But, um, you know, he wasn't in this context of, of causing a wound to happen and then healing that wound. Sometimes those wounds would happen by uh, his allowing that to happen because of people's shortcomings, like the people in Psalm 107.20, that they were in sickness and in destruction, but they were in sickness and destruction because of their foolish ways, not because the Lord was toying with them. Uh, And so the Lord had to allow those things to happen. And so, you know, the Lord, uh, because we have a sovereign will, allow those things to happen. But he's still the healer, right? And he's still the one who makes alive. Uh, and so uh, Moses was singing this song uh, just before uh, he went up to Mount Nebo. Uh, and then, of course, uh, this is in chapter 32. And then he, he goes up to Mount Nebo in 34. And then he dies, right? That's the end of his life. So he spent 
uh, chapters 1 through 31, instructing the nation of Israel, reminding them of all the things that he told them. Many, there's a lot of repeat stories in Deuteronomy from Leviticus and Numbers because he's summarizing everything that he had instructed them over the years in the 40 years in the wilderness. And then he leaves them with a song, a song of praises to the Lord and how good he is and how wonderful he, uh, he had been to the people of Israel. Um, uh, and then he, en- he ends uh, his life uh, on this earth uh, by going up to Mount Nebo. Uh, and then uh, he just dies, right? We don't know the, how he didn't die of sickness and disease. Uh, he just uh, he died, right? Uh, and of course, we know uh, from chapter 34, verse 7, it says that Moses was 120 years old when he died, and his eye was not dim, and his natural force abated, nor was nor his natural force abated uh, or gone down. So uh, that's pretty good, right? Uh, and so I think that's uh, that's probably my uh, phone there for some reason, and. Um, somebody should have turned their ringer off, right? Um, uh, and so, um, so I think Moses is a good example, right? Just before he left this earth, he sang a song of faith toward the Lord, and then uh, he goes up, uh, and having lived 120 years, and you know, if you think about it, Moses was really, you know, uh, until he was 40 years old, he didn't really know the call of God upon his life. And then when he was 40 years old, he sensed the call of God upon his life to deliver the people of Israel. Uh, but, he, but he backslid. He got out of the will of God for 40 years, right? He left Egypt, went onto the backside of the, of the mountain there uh, with his uh, father-in-law Jethro. And he was, he was a farmer, right? He, he uh, uh, kept the sheep. He was a shepherd. Uh, and, um, but he came back when he's 80 years old. So he really started his ministry when he's 80 years old. Uh, you know, most people, when they're 80 years old, they're looking for retirement, right? And um, uh, Moses was starting when he was 80 years old. Uh, and he uh, was strong for 40 years. So, you know, and this was a time when men didn't live that, that uh, long. You know, uh, Joshua did live pretty old. He was 110 years old when he died. Uh, we know Caleb was at least 85, right, when, uh, before he went on. Uh, and so, but a lot of times, you know, they weren't quite that old uh, uh, as Moses was. But the thing I like about Moses is that uh, he was 120 years old and uh, his eyes weren't dim and his natural force was not abated. Uh, and, you know, I declare that over myself all the time, that when I die, my eyes are not going to be dim. And when I'm talking about dim, they're talking about, you know, like glaucoma or, or cataracts, that type of thing where you can't see. Uh, and, um, uh, and his natural force was not abated. So he was just as strong. And that's what, that's what, uh, our friend Caleb says to Joshua, right? I'm as strong now as I was when I was a spy uh, by Moses' decree. Uh, and so you know, those are people of faith. You know, it, it must have been great to be around these people, you know, be around Caleb and Joshua and Moses, you know, people of great faith at this time. There wasn't many of them in, in Israel, but there was at least a few of them, right? Uh, and so, um, so uh, we sing these songs, right? We can sing these songs uh, that David left us, that, that, uh, that Moses left us, uh, that God's our healer. Uh, and it's a good way to express your faith, right? Uh, we should, when we sing songs, we should be doing it in faith. Uh, and so, uh, so can we sing these same songs? Can we sing the song that uh, God sent his word and healed us, right? I don't know the tune to that. And uh, I am unqualified to uh, sing any of these songs on your behalf, right? Uh, and so, you know, sometimes in my private uh, uh, time with the Lord, I'll sing 
sort of sing, right? It's more of a sing song than a singing, but, uh, um, but the Lord is perfectly pleased with it anyway. And so don't make fun of me, all you laughing at me, you know, because I can't sing. And the Lord is, uh, what's that? Yeah, you're laughing with me. All right, right. Uh, and so, um, so one thing that she said that uh, disease is the death process, death working in our physical beings, right? And, and so, uh, and one way to be like Abraham, to consider not our own bodies now dead, is to sing. Because when you're singing, you know, your attention is on the words, your attention is on the faith of what you're singing, and, and it should be. And it's easy to... to Forget about your woes and your, the cares of the world and just focus on the Lord. So songs and, and singing are a good way to express uh, faith and a good way to, um, to, to declare those things would be not as though they were. Amen. Uh, and so it's not superstition. Uh, it's just uh, an expression of faith, right? It, heal, it helps our faith uh, because it's just simply confessing the word uh, in song format. So. Uh, and that's that's the whole chapter right there, right? I mean, we went through two chapters, in no in no in no time at all, right? Um, and, and that's fine, right? Uh, I think next week we pick up uh, the next book uh, in, the, which is the Bomb of Gilead. So this this book was really focused mostly on examples of healing, right? And then we get into some other discussions in the next book there. So there's only three questions in this chapter, right? Uh, what uh, psalms or, or hymns are what in a musical setting? It's the Word of God, right? So the best songs are songs that uh, either are direct quotes from the Word. They don't have to be direct quotes because if it's a direct quote, it would really have to be in Greek or Hebrew, right? So we could sing songs in Greek or Hebrew, but it wouldn't mean quite as much, right? Uh, we're singing words, but we don't know what they are, right? Uh, and so, um, no, we're, we're singing songs uh, that are the Word of God set to music, right? Um, and uh, the second question, does a song may reach us where what? A sermon fails, right? Uh, uh, and that's true, right? How many times has, has your heart been encouraged after you sing a song, even though you've heard a thousand messages on that same topic, and yet somehow a song, because of the music, the anointed music, the anointed words put together in just the right way, has the ability to break through many times and, and cause us to, to uh, be encouraged in faith. Uh, and so, and, uh, you know, who created music? The Lord created music, right? You know, if you think about it, to me, it's really an odd kind of a thing, right? It's not, it's not teaching, it's not, uh, it's not ministering, it's singing, right? Uh, but the Lord created it, and somehow it can bring, it can bring healing, it can bring other blessings of the Lord. Um, and so, I'm glad that the Lord has called people who have that ability to sing. Amen. I can sing with anybody, uh, but singing on my own, you know, is a little more challenging. So uh, <laughs> that's okay, though. Uh, and then the last question is, disease is, is the what? It's the death process, right? Uh, and, you know, if you think about that way, really, uh, uh, disease, all disease is uh, there with the intent of killing you, right? Uh, uh, if you have no immune system, the smallest germ would kill you, right? Because it would, it would reproduce unrestrained in your physical body and, and then would overwhelm you, right? It, you would end up dying of, of the smallest disease. Uh, and so all sickness from the smallest thing to the greatest thing is there to kill and destroy. Uh, and fortunately, our bodies from a natural standpoint have the ability to withstand much of the disease and, 
you'll probably never know until we get to heaven how many things that your body took care of without you even knowing it, right? That uh, this germ and that virus and this thing and that thing, all of them were stopped by the natural processes of your physical body. Uh, and then, um, uh, then when the natural process is overwhelmed, faith can kick in and still get the job done. Amen. So praise God. We'll pick up the, uh, the next book, The Bomb of Gilead, uh, n- uh, next week. And uh, I've been looking at a few different texts to see uh, what we'll look at next. Uh, there's so many good, uh, you know, one of the things that I've been, uh, to me, it's, it's uh, um, uh, I really look forward to all the different texts that I've been finding on the topic of healing from people that have been gone from this earth for many years, you know. Uh, I know Teal Osborne has got a, a great book on the subject of healing, and uh, he had traveled to, uh, to Africa. His ministry was primarily Africa. And he would see tens of thousands and even hundreds of thousands of people come to these healing meetings. And, and he would talk about these spectacular healings that would occur. Uh, and, um, and so not unlike F.F. Uh, F. Bosworth and his book on Christ the Healer. Uh, and so, you know, there's a lot of people that have been on the earth uh, and have left the earth uh, that the Lord had blessed them with great insight into healing that, um, I look forward to adding their insight, their wisdom and knowledge and, and experience to, to my life. Amen. Uh, and so, and that's really what, uh, the, the sense that I have that, uh, uh, and, and you know, we don't have to do that. You know, if the Lord directs us to go do something else and we may take breaks from books and just look at other topics, you know, we can always do that. Uh, but it's, uh, to me, it's been of great value to my personal faith and looking at uh, the insight that other people have. And also, you know, from the other the minor point is we can see where uh, our knowledge of the Word of God has helped us to fill in some of the gaps where even some of these ministers weren't quite as strong in faith as they could be in the whole, the whole counsel of God. And that's not to diminish them or to, you know, to uh, accuse them of anything, but uh, faith should be progressive, right? We should know more today than our forefathers knew. That means we don't throw everything away our forefathers uh, knew. Uh, we should be building upon what they knew. Amen. And I, I believe that's what uh, my goal is in, in these studies of these books is to uh, find, out, find out what our forefathers knew in the area of healing and add that to our lives so that we can grow and go beyond that. Amen. Because sometimes they would spend decades trying to figure out from the standpoint of faith how these things work. And they finally get the revelation for that and they put it in book form and to tell us well, we can learn in one hour sitting and reading a book uh, what they took 10, 20, 30 years to learn. Amen. Uh, and so to me, that's a great advantage for us. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the blessings of heaven. And, Father, we thank you that uh, we have the ability to, to be people of, of great faith. Father, that if you tell us to let down all of our nets, we will do that. And, Father, we have the ability to... Uh, sing songs of faith to declare your goodness in the earth and your goodness in our lives. And we thank you that you've given that to us, Father, so that uh, our faith can be expressed. And we choose to believe that you are our healer, that you are always our healer. You will ever be our healer, Father. You are never not our healer. You choose uh, and desire for us to live lives free from sickness and disease all the days of our life. And so we thank you for that, Father. And we give you all the praise for it, and the honor for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? Well, I'm looking forward to, uh, to these next books. You know, she, uh, each book has, has, uh, was unique um, in, um, in the topics and the, the way that she put them together. So 
I think that's going to be good for us to look at these, uh, this next book here. And then um, we'll just keep on keeping on, right? Uh, and so let's get ready and receive the Staff at News offering. Did you all enjoy uh, Brother Randy last, uh, last week when he was here? You know, he always does a good job. You know, one of the things that I thought was interesting, um, and uh, come ahead, Mr. Jared. Of course, Brother Randy sends the office of prophet. Uh, and, you know, to me, that's just kind of a normal, well, if you're a prophet, you're a prophet, right? Some people think that's, you know, like you're a prophet like Elijah. Well, we live in the New Testament. You know, our prophets are today are not like Elijah, right? They're, they're, but they are prophets. Uh, and, uh, and prophets today don't all uh, uh, prophesy the end of days and that sort of thing, right? The primary purpose of the prophet in the New Testament is, is to uh, give us revelation that the Lord has given to them. Uh, related to the Word of God, and uh, and along with that, you know, tend to you know correct the church and get the church back on course. And um, but you know, I really believe for our church and ministry that the Brother Randy moved more in the office of the prophet than he has in the past. You know, and that's really a reflection on us as a church and being able to receive uh, his ministry in that way. And so uh, you know, I was real pleased with the with the services last week, and I thought everything went de- went good. And of course, uh, Gatlinburg services went well as well. Uh, and so, um, yes, ma'am. As a, probably this is coming to the camera. <laughs> it was very interesting to me, you know, he kind of exposed, which I thought was really open-minded of him to expose some of the people that kind of fell away from the Pentecostal movement, you yep. know, that got caught up in pride and all that. Yep. Yep. I don't Jack Cole was his name. Yeah. yeah. And he said that for sure he would be in heaven and all that, but I'm kind of like, isn't that sort of like once saved, always saved, if the guy didn't, wasn't repentant? <laughs> you know, I mean, I kind of thought, that's pretty bold. I'm going around measuring tents to be bigger than... Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. There was a lot of competition back yeah, there. Yeah, and I just kind of, I just kind of, that was like a super pride issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would would you like us to like a list? You know, yeah. Well, you know, the way I see it, of course, that's you know, if you got another hour, we go through the whole thing. Um, but um, uh, you know, if you accept the Lord Jesus, you're on your way to heaven, right? We all know that, right? We all have accepted the Lord Jesus. We're on our way to heaven. And so the question you have to ask is, well, how do I lose that opportunity to go to heaven? Um, and so. Uh, if you go through the, the, the new, if you go through the New Testament, um, there's really only one way to miss heaven uh, as a Christian, right? You're, so if you're a Christian today, now if you're not a Christian, you're going to miss heaven because you haven't accepted Lord Jesus, right? Uh, but the only way that you can really miss heaven, uh, and so this is where the church has a real um, wars are fought over this in the church, right? Uh, but if you, but if you look at the Scripture, a whole counsel of God, what you find is if you're a Christian more than likely you're going to sin, right? Um, I mean, that's why 1 John 1, 9 exists, right? If, if you confess your sins, and it was written to the church, some people say it's not, it was, it's, it's dumb. It, of course, it was written to the church. Uh, it was written to the church that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So that tells you, number one, Christians will sin. So uh, if, if you commit a sin and then die as a Christian, will you miss heaven? Well, no, because you've accepted the Lord Jesus. Your spirit is born again. Your spirit is qualified to go to heaven. Your flesh is never qualified to go to heaven. That's why 
at this point in time when we die, we leave our bodies because our flesh contains a sin nature. It's not qualified to go to heaven, but your spirit is. So your spirit goes to heaven because it's qualified. So how many sins does it take to be, become unqualified, right? Uh, and that's where people fight wars about. And it's really, there, there's not any number because if you look at, I'll just t- mention two things and, and then we'll go. But if you look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul is talking about the story about the man who was sleeping with his mother's wife. I kind of think that's worse than measuring your tent, you know, to see which one's bigger, right? I mean, sleeping with your mother's wife and everybody knows about it, right? I mean, sleeping with your father's wife. Nowadays, people are sleeping with their mother's wife, too, I know. But, uh, you know, because we're, we're, I mean, we're, we're trying to double up on the insanity of, of everything else we see, right? Uh, and so, uh, but he was sleeping with his father's wife, so he's sleeping with his stepmother, and the whole church knew it. Nobody's saying anything about it. And Paul said that I, that I handed you over to Satan for the structure of flesh, that what? That your spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So Paul, what Paul was saying is, you know, uh, I'm going to do this so that your physical life comes to an end early so that you still get to go to heaven. Even though he was sleeping with his father's wife and he was unrepentant. And Paul said, your life will come to an end and you will go to heaven. Uh, that, and that's, that was what motivated Paul to even do that. I hear people all the time, oh, I'm going to hand you over to Satan for the structure of your flesh. Well, their motivation isn't to help me. Their motivation is to punish me, right? Paul's motivation was to help the fellow, right? He wanted the fellow to go to heaven. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing how immature Christian, you know, uh, and so, uh, so you've got, I mean, that's pretty, pretty tough, right? But if you go through the whole counsel of God, it talks a lot about, you're not going to receive the, the, the inheritance. Uh, and so what happens is as Christians, as we, uh, we get into sin or we may stay in sin, our ability to receive of the inheritance that belongs to us as our position with the Lord uh, the Lord's unable to get those provisions to us, the blessings of, of our inheritance, right? And that includes healing, that includes prosperity, includes deliverance and soundness of mind. And so our ability to receive the blessings of heaven continue to diminish. Uh, and there may be at zero, right? You may not be able to see, receive any blessings of the Lord, but you're still a Christian. Uh, you have not, because uh, then you've got to go all the way to First John chapter 5. And First John chapter 5 uh, is really, uh, and I'll just read that just so, so you know, because... Um, and, and to me, in, in my, you know, mind anyway, this is all really simple. This is not, this is, these things are not hard to understand. Uh, it just, I think really for the church, sometimes we love to stand in the position of judge of the earth and that's not our job. Right. Uh, and so Paul's saying here in verse 16 of first John chapter five, if any man see his brother sin, well, you ever seen your brother sin a sin? Right? He says, if any man see his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life uh, for them that sin, not unto death. Uh, and so we'll talk about the other part in a minute here. But so, uh, and this is actually telling that you as a Christian have, have, uh, have the ability to pray people uh, and get that, that, uh, uh, the results of that sin out of their life. Right? You can get forgiveness for people that are in sin because of your prayers, and, which is pretty amazing, right? I don't think we use that nearly enough, right? Uh, well, God will get him. That's not what you're supposed to pray. You're supposed to pray, God, he said, what did he say? Pray for his brother, right? He shall ask, Lord, uh, uh, erase that sin from their life, right? Or erase the consequences of that sin from their life. Uh, and that's what he's telling us as Christians to do. We have that ability to do that, right? If you see your brother, sin is sin. 
And at the end of it says, there is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. So there is a sin unto death. And that sin unto death, if you've got to go then go back to Hebrews chapter 6 and look at the details of that. But there is a sin that you can say, I choose to not believe in the Lord Jesus anymore. I choose to recant my salvation. I choose to not believe that Jesus is Lord, that his blood had no effect. I, I do not want to have anything to do with the Lord Jesus. And that is the sin of the death. That's the sin of the spiritual death. You have now uh, walked away from the Lord. But you can only do that if you know what you're even talking about, right? If you ask a baby Christian, you know, what's the sin of the death? They won't know what you're talking about, right? Even most people in a church, they won't even know what you're talking about, which means they're unqualified to even get to that point in their spiritual life, right? So, you know, as you progress in the Lord and if, meet the qualifications for Hebrews chapter 6, you can get to a point where you choose to reject the Lord Jesus. And at that point, you have committed the sin of the death. And, and John said there's no way, there's no, there's no backing out from that, right? It's a one-way ticket. Uh, and so... Uh, does that mean you can sin as much as you want to? If you want to leave early when you're 38 years old, yeah. If you want to check out. And, and now, seeing with Jack Cole, he went to heaven. I believe he went to heaven. He went to heaven at 38 years old. What, he, what had he not done in his life that the Lord had commissioned him to do? So that means that he will never get the rewards for doing those things because he, his sin caused his life to end early. And what uh, blessings did he miss on the earth because of his sin? No doubt there was many of them, right? Uh, and so, but did he go to heaven? Well, I don't see any, any indication that he committed this sin right here, right? That he committed sin of the death where he said, Jesus is not Lord. Uh, and so, uh, and, I, and I choose to reject and recant my salvation. Uh, and again, even dumb baby Christians say things like that. The Lord overlooks their stupidity, right? You ever had a two-year-old say, I don't, I don't love you anymore? Shut up, go to your room. You know, we don't pay any attention to that, right? Now, when they're 32-year-olds and they said that, it, it might hurt your feelings, right? Um, and so, so there is a difference. So um, <clears throat> people think that, because when I, when I read the Word of God, that's the way I see it, that basically if you're saved, you're saved. And it's not once saved, always saved, but it's once saved, almost always saved, right? It's, it's, it's closer to once saved, always saved than it is, oh, you know, I, I got mad and, you know, uh, I... Um, you know, did some, some stupid thing and now I'm going to hell. That, to me, that shows a very lack of, of uh, understanding of how big the blood of Jesus is. I mean, the blood of Jesus is pretty capable. Uh, and for us to say that the smallest infraction can overwhelm the blood of Jesus is showing a, a small understanding of how important that is. And so uh, some people think that, you know, I turned a blind eye to, to sin. I don't at all. You know, sin is bad and sin will cause your natural life to end early. Uh, you know, sometimes the Lord... Uh, and, and that First Corinthians 5 was not the only time, Paul, that he did at other times uh, of people. Uh, and I don't know if it was like all the time, you know, you mess with me, I'll hand you over Satan. But, you know, sometimes the Lord will do that. He will take his hand off of people and they will die early. And I believe that's what happened with Jack Cole is the Lord took his hand of protection off of Jack Cole and he ended his life early uh, because of the sin that he was involved in. So that he didn't get to a point where he recanted his salvation. He still gets to go to heaven. Uh, and I leave the judgment of all that to the Lord. You know, that's the way I see it. Well, I don't think they should have gone to heaven. Well, I'm glad you're not judge, you know, uh, because if you're a judge, nobody's going to make it to heaven except for you. And it's going to be really lonely with you involved by yourself. Right. Uh, and, I, and I see a lot of Christians just I mean, they will just they'll go. They'll miss heaven, you know, for this sin. And they're going to go straight to hell. And well, who are you? Do you know what's in their heart? Have you heard them recant from their own mouth that I recant the Lord Jesus? If they haven't done that, they're going to go to heaven and you won't like it. 
you know, there's going to be a lot of people who are very unhappy I make it to heaven. Uh, and um, I'll be glad to see them, right? Uh, and so, uh, because we don't know what's in people's hearts, right? And unless they declare it uh, verbally, and I know their life, and I know uh, what, what, uh, uh, how they've lived, I know of people and stories of people that have recanted their salvation, and they will probably end up in eternity of hell, in eternity of hell in, in the region of the damned because of that, you know. Uh, but for doing stupid things like being prideful about your tent, it's stupid, right? Uh, and it's embarrassing. Uh, and, uh, you know, to sharing the sheep and taking money, you know, they're terrible sins. But, you know, all sin is an infraction against the grace of God. Uh, and from the Lord's perspective, you know, all, all sin is terrible. All sin shows lack of, of, of trust in him. Uh, and who are we to judge which ones are bad and which ones are good? Usually when I see people get really harp on one sin, it's like they're probably doing that sin, you know. <laughs> or they're doing other sins that in their mind aren't as bad as the sin they're harping on. Well, we're going to talk really that this one's really bad because these over here, I'm doing these, but I don't want to talk about those. I want to talk about these over here, right? And so, you know, uh, you've got to be careful about being harsh on people that are in sin because Galatians 6.1 says, uh, you were a spiritual restored such one in the spirit of meekness. Uh, let, uh, look into yourself, lest you also, what, be tempted, right? Uh, so when you see your brother in a fault, you were just spiritual restore. So our job should be to restore Christians, right? Uh, and restore just means bring them back into fellowship with the Lord, not in the, back into salvation with the Lord. Uh, and so I know that was maybe longer answer than, uh, than uh, you maybe wanted there. But um, uh, but yeah, I mean, my, my opinion, you know, of course, we don't know until we get to heaven. My opinion is Jack's, Jack Cole's up there in heaven. Uh, I don't know anybody made it to heaven except Lord Jesus without a sin in their life, you know. I can guarantee you there's nobody's going up there with a perfectly clean slate. I mean, I, I mean, you know, uh, they may on their last breath not have any sins that they need to repent for, but they have committed a sin at least once in their life. Right now, there are a group of people I know who really honestly believe they've never committed a sin if they got saved. <laughs> and the Lord's like, uh, uh, you got a lot of catching up to do when you get to heaven. Right. <laughs> so anyway, praise God. Well, be blessed. We'll see you all next week.